Hey, Philo community, welcome to the spring. Unless, of course, you live in the Midwest, then never mind. Why is it still so cold? Uh, this is the time of year when I'm done with winter. I mean, let's move on, people. What about the groundhog and all that? I thought we were supposed to have an early spring. You know, this is when I went to visit Auburn University for the first time, and I thought, why wouldn't I go to school here? I mean, the sun's out, they're cutting the grass, people are wearing shorts for crying out loud. Yeah, no wonder I went to school there. Anyway, I actually have nothing to complain about because today, when the podcast is released, I'll be working an event in Florida. So I'll mostly be in a dark ballroom working the event, but at least I get to look out and see the warm weather. Okay, enough about complaining about the weather. This is your first time listening to our podcast. The goal is not to complain about the weather, but it's to help technical artists in the local church become more effective so that our churches can become more effective. Basically, Philo Conference all the time. And speaking of Philo Conference, we just passed a pricing change milestone. And you know what? My mind is officially blown by how many teams signed up. I mean, when I think about why we started doing Philo in the first place, one of the biggest hopes was for technical artists to experience community together. And there's nothing quite like people from the same church traveling together, maybe in a 15-passenger van, to experience Philo together. I love it. If you visit our website, you'll notice that we're populating the event page with breakout class titles and teachers, and a lot more is being added all the time. And if you're planning to come, keep checking our website for updates. That's philo.org. If you haven't decided to come, go check it out. One big addition for this year is that we're adding breakouts for the non-technical people that might be traveling with their production team. So worship leaders, content creators, producers, I mean, we're hoping that there's something for everyone. All right, enough about that. On to the podcast. For this episode, I had a great conversation with Reed Wall. He's the production manager for the states of Queensland and Northern Territory. NT, if you're hip to that lingo, that's Australia, for those of you who don't know. But he's the production manager for Hillsong Church. And he had a great story to tell. And we had an amazing time talking about vision and values for a production team across multiple campuses. Let's jump into the podcast. Reed Wall. How's it going, Reed? Doing well, man. Doing well. How are you? Yeah, doing good. I'm freezing and you're probably not freezing. uh, What's the temperature there? Oh, man. It is like, so I'm in my living room and the, uh, it's eight o'clock in the morning here and the air con was running all night. So it's pretty cold in the house, but it's like, it's like so hot outside. Um, uh, it's probably like 95 degrees Fahrenheit, man. Uh, Um, yeah, and there's like this hot wind running down the streets, man. Summer in <laughs> Queensland is brutal. And we should maybe clarify that this conversation's happening in December. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, for, yeah, I don't know. I'm guessing most of our audience is from the United States. So, d- yeah, yeah, December 95 degrees doesn't compute really. Well, it's funny, like you'll see Christmas artwork, right, all over Australia. Yeah. And for some reason, like it's still got like white stuff and like <laughs> snow and it's like this you know, it's like been, I don't know, um, the advertising is like all Northern Hemisphere and it's real sure. funny. Yeah. Does it ever snow there? Uh, look, so I live in Brisbane, okay. which is like the um, the equivalent of like Orlando, Florida. Okay. Um, and if yeah. you go way down south, um, there's definitely snow up in the mountains. Okay. But not crazy like America. Sure, right. Okay. Canada. Nice. Canada. That's the shirt I'm wearing right now. And my daughter goes to school in Canada, so we're always talking about how I mean it snowed, I think, in September where she was. So <laughs> not too happy with that. All right. So uh, before we get too far into the conversation, I would love to just maybe talk about 
what you do now and mm. then kind of just the progression of how you got there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm part of the creative team at Hillsong Church Australia. Okay. I look after audio, lighting, video, what we call creative technology for our campuses in Queensland, Northern Territory. Okay. All right. So I lead that team. That's nine locations. So that's three in the Gold Coast, three in Brisbane, one about an hour and a half north of here in Noosa. Okay. And then two up in Darwin, which is right at the top of the country. Okay. And how far up? I mean, Darwin on the map, it doesn't look that far away, but I mean, that. Oh, it is that far away. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I've, I've only been there in person once, but okay. it's like a three hour flight, four hour flight. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a trip. Yeah. It's a trip. Nice. Okay, so yeah. I'm guessing being a part of Hillsong sounds really fun and exotic, and being in charge of a whole section of the country for production also seems pretty huge. Where did you start? Like, how did you get into this? How did you find yourself in Brisbane? So um, I grew up grew up in church. I got saved when I was four years old. I started taking piano lessons when I was four years old. Okay. I always had like a phobia of like sitting still. Okay. And so like when I was 12 years old, I made a deal with my kids pastor okay. and he said to me, Reed, you can, will you stay in kids and play keyboard for us? And I was scared of getting, uh, having to go into big church and having to sit still for an hour. <laughs> so I said, yes. Perfect. And so that was kind of my start in the music team at church. Okay. Then from there, I just started playing at youth and eventually picked up guitar because we didn't have a guitarist. Eventually started leading worship at youth, playing keys um, or guitar at church, eventually leading worship at church. I also kind of started doing sound, too. I mean, it was a small church of like 100, 150 people probably, right? right, right? right. Uh, and so I did sound as well. I remember when the church got a new sound system and they were working out who was going to mix. I was like 15, and so they picked me to mix the opening weekend, which was pretty terrifying at the time. <laughs> Uh, when I was finishing school, I was deciding whether to do uh, a computer science degree at FSU or, uh, oh, I grew up in Key Largo, Florida. I don't know if I said that. Should, no, you didn't, but uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so Florida State, too Florida. bad. Yeah, I grew up in the, in the Florida Keys, uh, born and raised. And so um, when I was choosing where to, what to do for school, college, uh, it was either go to FSU and study computer science or stick it out with uh, keep doing the church worship team a worship uh, leading thing. And okay. so I decided to move to Australia and attend Hillsong <laughs> College. Okay. And right off the bat, as a brand new college student, there wasn't a lot of opportunity on the worship team front. Sure. And so I said, well, if I'm not going to be playing guitar, I'll do sound. Okay. Uh, I was going to ask, so when you decided to go to college, like how did you end up picking Australia? Well, I figure if I was going to, if I was going to study Worship music and worship leading were better than Hillsong. Sure, right, okay. And so I moved to Australia when I was 18. Okay. And uh, went to Hillsong College. Started doing sound. Like my first week there, I joined the production team. Okay. And I had some really great people take me under their wings. Eventually did some music as well. Yeah, ended up doing a fair bit of music and a fair bit of uh, doing sound. Eventually ended up in leadership at the production team. When I finished college... I was offered a job. So we were all set to go up to Brisbane where I live now and do like the National Assemblies of God conference. Okay. And we, and we get told a week out, hey, uh, Pastor Brian has a special ministry trip. 
up there and we're going to stay on for a couple of days. And the whole team is like, cool, sweet. Okay. And uh, then that Sunday we hear this big announcement that church in Brisbane is going to become Hillsong Church Brisbane. Okay. And it was our interstate campus. And we're like, oh, that's cool. So we go up and we do the conference and then we go and we play at the church. I ended up traveling up and back a fair bit. Okay. And eventually about nine months later, 18 months later or something, I ended up being offered a job and I moved up here and I came on staff. Okay. So I did four and a half years in Sydney before I came on staff in Brisbane. Okay. And uh, I was hired to be the, uh, it was funny, we laughed because on paper, my job was mix front of house. Okay. <laughs> uh, at Hillsong Church, nobody's job is just to mix front of house. Right. One job, uh, come on. Yeah. And so I worked it out that it was my job to build the audio team. Okay. And so I started building an audio team and did that for years. And so what started as one campus in Brisbane fairly mushroomed, fairly quickly became six campuses in Queensland and became wow. uh, more up in Darwin. And so eventually my boss, who is an absolute hero of mine in Queensland, moved on. Okay. I went from being the campus guy for our main Brisbane campus to being the production manager for... Uh, the state. Okay. That's, <laughs> that seems like two very different jobs in a way. Oh, I mean, man. To have people right around you that you can touch and, you know, meet with and have coffee with to just a very large, very distant yeah. group of people. Yeah. And leading staff. Yeah, right. Yeah, so before that, were you mostly just, uh, were you leading, not just, but leading volunteers primarily? In, for a season, I was the campus. I was leading the whole campus okay. at our main Brisbane campus, which was one or two guys that I was responsible for. Okay. But then I went to leading a staff of seven. Okay. And that was a shift. Spread out all over the, the state. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe to uh, back up a little bit, I think we met because you were on tour with Hillsong United, I believe, Mixing so Monitors. Yeah, so uh, I did a Hillsong worship tour. I think it was 2014. Okay. It was No Other Name Tour, and uh, we came through Chicago and played at Willow. Okay. Yeah. I, I remember that day. Oh, yeah? Everybody else went out to lunch, and I was too stressed about RF. Okay. And you and Starkey and Cuthbo was our PM. You guys all went and had lunch, and I stayed back, and <laughs> I spent another hour or so just at war with RF. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Chicago RF, man, it's hard work. It's the worst, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I don't know what it's like any other place in the world, but, you know, we'll have stations just pop up out of nowhere without warning, you know, TV stations. You're just like, what is this all of a sudden? Yeah, some Polish language HD <laughs> TV or whatever, yeah. Like, who's watching this and why are they stomping on our RF? Yeah. Nice. 2014, it seems longer ago than that, but 2014 was quite a while ago now. Yep. <laughs> Coming up on five years. So having a job description of front of house engineer at the Brisbane campus to you saying, you know, I want to lead the audio team. I mean, what was that like to, were there already people that were volunteering doing audio? Was it something you had yeah. to start from scratch? Here's an even uh, different question. Is there, you know, where you're taking over a church that's now becoming Hillsong? Like how was that transition with those people that were on the team? Yeah. Look, all of those <laughs> things. Um, <laughs> We're so, hoping you have like a magic bullet answer to all those questions. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gosh, there, there's like, yeah, let, let me start with leading the audio team. Sure, so okay. 
I had led a small Hillsong campus in New South Wales. Okay. That was actually a similar thing where we had inherited another church. And I, so I, I led that team. I led the whole campus actually okay. in a volunteer capacity. Yeah, I guess I spent my energy teaching people and training volunteers. And if somebody had free time, inviting them to come in and hang out and work on projects with me and getting people in for rehearsals and any, any chance I had to kind of spend time developing someone which means getting people in for a rehearsal and spending time teaching them what I do. Uh-huh. I feel like leading in transition is all like, so when you come in and there's a transition, the first thing you want to do is get things stable, right. start to get the results. So my first focus was I'm going to make sure front of house sounds good, develop trust and confidence with leadership. Right. And then once we got that really stable, start spending time bringing people through. Okay. And so for me, bringing people through looks a little different at front of house and monitors. So if I'm teaching somebody how to do monitors, first off, I'm all about the buddy system, which means we consistently roster somebody with somebody else that has experience, right? Okay, yeah. And so if I'm the guy in the mentoring role, I'm responsible for the outcome. If it goes badly, it's my fault. Okay. If it goes well, it's their win. Okay. And so if I'm teaching somebody how to mix monitors, I'll, I'll get, I'll roster them with me a lot, both in rehearsals and in services. If there's time midweek to sit down and teach them stuff midweek too, that's awesome. Uh-huh. If, if it's just them, uh, we all get to a Sunday morning rehearsal or they'll sit with me and as I'm pushing faders, they're watching and learning and they'll probably just watch me for a few services. Sure. And as we'll talk and I'll start to see where they're at, I'll actually have them start to operate the console a little bit at the end of a rehearsal where most of the work is done. Right, okay. And the next thing they'll do is they'll operate um, a little bit of the service. Okay. And then they'll start working their way backwards into rehearsal and sound check. Okay. So they might take over the console at the end, like after sound checks and do rehearsal. And then the next week they might take over the console during vocal sound check. Okay. And the next re- next bit they might take over during like making mix changes for the band. Sure. And okay. then next week they might actually take over after I sound after I like set up initial um, inputs. Okay. And so because I feel like if we can give someone let them start with an end result. Okay. And then backwards to the beginning they can succeed. Sure. But I think the most important part of a sound check, especially at monitors, is that beginning phase where you're setting gain, pushing up faders, and doing EQ. Right, right. And so I do the backwards approach at monitors. Sure. Now, something about the results or the the end of that process, even that has a, everybody has their own sense for what's right, what's not right, or what sounds better and what doesn't. How are you training those people to know what is the Hillsong sound or what are we going for? Um, mm. And even then, what what is how much coaching are you giving them? Like if you're backing away and letting them on the faders, mm. are you still sort of leaning forward and say, yeah, more guitar, less piano? Mm. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. So let me start here. Like when somebody joins our, joins our team, they don't just walk in with a skill set and deposit a skill set. Okay. They bring their whole life. They bring who, who they are. Sure, yeah. And so if we only mentor their skill set, we're literally just using them. Okay. And so I think we have to be prepared to help mentor their whole life. Like if I, as a team leader at church, if I really love people, then I care about seeing the person succeed, not right. just seeing them help me do my job. Right. And so because of that, that means we need to teach people how to be teachable. 
Okay. And so early on, we want to teach people that part of our culture is that we're really teachable and we're really flexible. And when our leadership asks us to make a change to the flow of a service or whatever we're doing, we're going to say, yeah, we'll do our best. Right. And so I guess that leads me to where all through the process, guys are going to hear from us. And so like if I'm at front of house, probably one of the first things we'll have somebody do is they'll sit there and they will be standing right next to me okay. and they'll maybe push the vocal faders Okay. once I've got it all set up and we'll give them a little bit of responsibility, but I'm standing right next to them. Right. And if my pastor were to look up from the front row, they would assume it's me mixing because sure. I'm okay. standing right there Right. and there's trust there. Uh-huh. And so we give them a little bit of responsibility and, but the whole time we're coaching them, mm-hmm. like the whole time. And so from the very first time they touch a console, they're used to hearing input from us. Okay. And so that fast forward all the way to where they're mixing, they're used to hearing input from us. And so it's just consistent coaching and guiding. Right. And we like, so in the moment you have to get the what done, but you also want to look for every opportunity to teach the why and the what. So like, for example, when I'm, te- when I'm mixing and I've got someone there learning from me, I'm looking for every opportunity to explain what I'm doing. Okay. Like with the balance between kick and snare, I often tell guys kick and snare should be best friends. You shouldn't have a snare drum way up here and a kick drum way down here or a kick drum way up here and a snare drum way down there. Or I'll, I'll explain where I've got the guitars and why I've got the guitars there. I'll talk about what I'm doing with the vocal reverb and why. So the way we lay out consoles is all the speech MC preaching mics are all over on the right-hand side okay. with the main worship leader mics. Okay. And that deck of the console pretty much doesn't move. Mm-hmm. And the middle section is like DCAs and outputs. The left section is all the rest of the inputs. A digital console. Sure. And so we pretty much always keep our hands on the worship leader faders. And so I'm teaching guys, hey, you want to just keep your hand right there and you're moving it the whole time. If they sing a lot louder, you're pulling it back. If it's a moment they need to speak to the congregation, you're watching them and you push it up. And so I guess we start by teaching them all of that stuff. Sure. So you're teaching people all along the way. They're used to feedback right from the moment they walk in the room. I'm curious about you teaching as you're going. I think for most tech people or a lot of people that I know, they know how to do what they do, but they don't know how to explain it. And Mm -hmm. just the value of, you know, that, you know, kick and snare best friends. Like, where did you learn how to coach people that way? Or Mm -hmm. is it something that's in the water at Hillsong, it's in the culture, and so it's hard to even pinpoint? Look. (laughs) I guess it's how I was taught. Okay. Right? I mean, so you see like what everybody sees our albums and our conferences. Yeah. And that is the pinnacle of what we do. Right. But most of what we do are a whole bunch of volunteers turning up to services of all shapes and sizes. Yeah. And if you can't build volunteer teams, you're just not, you're not going to survive. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess it's that, that's how I was taught by people who I really, really respect and look up to. And so it's how I teach. Okay. All right. And I guess it's a strength of mine because it's something that through all of my time at Hillsong, even when I was like the brand new guy just starting to mix monitors, six months in, once I had started learning and I kind of moved on to the next service up, Okay. I started teaching somebody at the first service. Okay. And so at everywhere you go, you know, one of the values that my leader talks about, my, um, my direct oversight talks about is it's not good enough that you can just do what you do, uh-huh. but who are you in with you? Right. Because, man, our church is growing. And um, and I feel like it's so true of everything in the kingdom, right? 
I mean, the difference between the kingdom and the rest of the world is we're all about going, who can I teach how to do what I do so they get better than me? And so everything grows, right? Right, right. So everything we do, the question is not just what are you doing, but who are you bringing with you? Right. Who's the next person that's going to take over for you? Sure. When, you know, when inevitably we need to add another campus, it's going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Right, right. right. When we add another service at another campus, who are you mentoring to be able to do what you do right now? Sure. Yeah, it's interesting to me. I have a few people I know that you know they've worked really hard at being the best front of house engineer they can be. And so there's a little bit of not wanting to share some of their secrets or even being afraid of working themselves out of a job. Mm. Uh, and I think some of that is it's real easy for our identity to get wrapped up in the thing we're doing mm. versus yeah, the impact we're having. Mm just hearing you talk, it seems like it's a, such a refreshing perspective to be like, we have to, to grow the kingdom. We have to do this. Yeah. I mean, my job, that's my job. Yeah. If I'm not teaching someone else to do what I do, then I'm not doing my job. Sure. And right. anybody we hire, anybody on our staff understands their job is to replace themselves. Sure. Right. We cannot afford to hire audio engineers just to come do sound. Right. Sure. I mean, at our biggest campus, there's one guy on staff to do audio. Uh-huh. So our our biggest campus in Brisbane has five services across a weekend, and it's a fifteen hundred seat auditorium. Uh-huh. So there's ten mixed slots. No, there's Friday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. So there's three mixed slots at front of house, three mixed slots at monitors, plus assistants. And so there's no way he could do it all himself. Sure, right? Just just no way. Yeah. So his job isn't to mix audio. His job is to build a team and take responsibility for the outcome. And I suppose if you have some people that really miss the mixing part, they you know that they want to get their hands in there, that they're, they mm-hmm. just don't fit uh, with what you're trying to do and they don't last long. Yeah, I mean, so the guys that end up on our staff are people that have shown the ability to teach other people. Right, right. I guess they're passionate about growing the church, not just mixing themselves. Sure, Having right. said that, we still mix some. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're but, filling uh, a hole here and there. Yeah. 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 Okay. You know, but our main thing has to be growing team. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool to hear. With your focus on volunteers and pouring into volunteers, what does your schedule look like? I mean, are you working when volunteers are available? Are you working 40 hours at the church, then spending time with volunteers after hours? Are there times built in, like a rehearsal night that everybody comes to? I'd be just be curious how you manage your time knowing yeah. that it's all about building into volunteers. Yeah. So I guess I, I really believe in accountability. Mm-hmm. So I make sure that the people that I report to know where I am. Okay. But it's not nine to five by sure. any means. So I guess our theory is we're leaders first, like we're, well, we're Christians first uh-huh. and we're in Hillsong Church. And so we, we believe in this so much. None of us are just like, none of us have just come in and been hired to do a job. We were all part of the team first, and then we were hired from within. Uh And so if we're going to ask a bunch of volunteers to go to their nine to five job and then come and volunteer, well, we're going to have to, we're going to do the same too, because we're going to lead by example. Sure. Now, the other side of that is, is it's not healthy if all we ever do is be at our job. And so it's not a problem to solve. It's a tension to manage. Sure. And so we just work at having a clear conversations and clear dialogue about when we're at church. I try not to say when I'm at work, but when I'm at church, uh-huh. when I'm not. And so we have Mondays off okay. and Saturdays off. Uh, Sundays, okay. I'm in at quarter to six, 
do three morning services. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's about an hour and a half break in the afternoon, come back and do a night service. Okay. So that's Sunday, Monday's a day off. Tuesday, I normally am in at relatively nine to five. Uh-huh. Wednesdays is nine to five. Thursday, we run a women's program every week. Okay. And that team, uh, our team's in at eight for that. And then Thursday night is our creative team night where we gather all, right, all sure. the creatives from around our whole church for a combined night where we do anything from rehearsals to we'll just worship together or we'll do training. It's kind of different all the time. Uh-huh. Fridays, we normally start at, well, the staff actually, we come in at noon okay. uh, and okay. we do a barbecue together. Everybody just brings some meat and we do a barbecue awesome. out the back of the church. Uh, and then we kind of start work at one. Okay. And we have a Friday night service. Okay. Which is like our, that's only Hillsong Brisbane has a Friday night service. But it means when we have a guest speaker come into Australia, they can speak at Brisbane Friday night and yeah. everybody, and then they're at Hills on Sunday. And so sure. all the other campuses get them linked, but we get them live on Friday nights. Okay. Uh, sorry, that was a bit of a tangent. No, no, that's cool. And then Saturday's off. Okay. But like right now we're in Christmas, right? And so like we're telling our guys, hey, if you're at Christmas rehearsal, Tuesday night and Thursday night and Monday night, well, don't come in at nine o'clock on Tuesday. Sure, you right. Know? Yeah. So yep. I guess it's one of those things that it's not black and white and we do our best just to manage and we're making sure people aren't just killing themselves with time. Right, right. And it's same with your volunteers. Like, do you feel like you're helping, the, trying to help them live a healthy uh, balance? Yeah, we say to our, like, we're asking our team, when was the last time you came and sat in church? Uh-huh. Like, what services are you going to? Yeah. We make sure that we don't roster them all weekend long. Sure. And we're just looking at how much we're asking people to be there. I mean, that's part of why team building is such a value, right? Like, if we're not actively contributing to helping people live a healthy life, if we're leading them to a place where they are rostered on every single service, again, we're just using them. We're not leading them. Right, right. And so... Yeah, we actively monitor how much we ask of people. Right. And that looks, that's very different for different people, right? Yeah, I mean, everybody's got their own life. They're living and, you know, some have kids at home, some don't. Yeah, yeah. it's just everybody's got a different situation. The trick is to be intentional about including people with a low availability because often somebody with a low availability actually has the highest capacity. And right. that's why they have a low availability. Yeah, yeah. So if we're disorganized and we only ever call up and invite the people to serve who are highly available, then we're not going to have the greatest people on our team, you know? Right, right. So if we're going to have some of the best leaders and some of the people that have great life experience, I mean, we've got guys on our team who they don't mix, but they turn up and they're like, they're a stagehander, they're an assistant, but man, they are, they're dudes with families and they've got great life experience and they are just so good to have around the rest of the team. right the mentoring and maturity they bring to our team is just so valuable. Right. Oh man. And I love just the idea that you've been talking about is like, who are we bringing with us? Who are we teaching? And that that's the culture on the team. So you got these guys with great life experience that are the volunteers, but they're doing that as well with the people that are on the team. That, that just seems like such a healthy and so valuable for the young people and people who don't have as much life experience. Yeah. To be exposed to people like that. Man, that's cool. And to think, uh, you know, you might not ever run into this person in any other setting. Like the, you know, the extremes of of life experience uh, get thrown together in a production setting. 
and no, no other time. Yeah, that's cool. Now, where would you say, like, where do these volunteers come from? Are you out beating the bushes on a, on a Sunday morning? Are, is there a, uh, you know, a ministry fair that happens uh, or people bring in their friends? What's the, is there Look, some way of doing it that? That's a great question. And that's something I'm really passionate about. Okay. I am blessed to work under just the most fantastic leadership on the planet. And I've heard Pastor Brian talk a lot about focus on health um, because healthy things will grow. Okay. And so what I have seen work for me and different people are different. Like I'm not like a super charismatic guy that just had just attracts people, flocks of people. Okay. What, what seems to work for me is focus on making sure it's a healthy environment for people, that the attitudes of the people involved are great, that the, that my attitude that I'm life giving that when I'm having a rough day and I, am I still smiling and thanking people and being kind and being patient that if I and if the leaders that I'm leading are creating healthy environments in their team where we're speaking life, we're speaking positively about what we're a part of. If the team is healthy, it'll grow. People want to belong. People want to be a part of something. And so the like the only thing I've ever done that's worked is have a healthy team. Okay. And then people turn up to church and they want to be a part of it. Yeah. And so we'll have people that will meet. That'll come. Like if somebody says, "Hey, I want to get involved in creative," we point them to a creative team night. But we run a healthy team, and church is healthy. People seem to want to be involved, and we meet people, and they say, "Hey, I'm kind of interested in sound or tech. Uh, can I join the team?" And we say, "Yep, no worries," and we we you know we get them involved. Sure. That's, so I've never actually been successful going out and looking for people. Yeah, there, there is no successful way of doing that. But that idea of creating something healthy, I mean, I, I always have this feeling like everyone wants to be a part of something amazing. Yep. And so whether it's a sports team or, you know, like nobody wants to give up all their time for something, you know, that's mediocre. They totally. want to be a part of something amazing. And so, yeah, make something amazing. And so I feel like part of that is on Sunday – so I try not to do anything on Sundays. Uh-huh. My goal is that I walk in and my job is to look around and watch out for details that somebody else might miss, have conversations with our campus leadership and just be really big picture. And so if I'm rostered onto a role that requires me to do 20 tasks for the service to happen, then I'm not doing my job. Right, right. And so what I do try to do is make sure that the team have something great to shoot for and constantly encouraging the team to think bigger and better. Like excellence is like doing something better than we did it a week ago. Sure, yeah. And so it's easy, I can sit back and kind of let things happen or I can proactively encourage every volunteer to think bigger and think um, think better about what we do. Uh-huh. And when people have something, like if you're shooting for something, like if you're shooting to just get by, like people aren't inspired by just get by. Right. People are inspired People want to sit back and go, hey, we did something awesome. That service was amazing. The stage looked incredible. And so if you're if you're happy for the stage to look junky, then that doesn't inspire anybody. Right. But if you want, you know, no dust on the PA and the stage is swept and mopped and looks really nicely nice and the cabling is all tidy, that gives something people great to be a part of. Right, right. That's so great. So you're responsible for how many camps did you say? Nine? Ten. Yeah, nine nine campuses. Nine campuses. So how I mean, how do you lead your team from a distance? Like, uh, just be curious. Yeah. The I mean, physically separated by hundreds of miles, some of them. How do you stay connected? How do you how do you build a culture mm. across you know so many campuses and know that 
hey, what matters to us at the main Brisbane campus is happening in Darwin. Yeah. So the way our church um, is structured, and I absolutely love this, is we're one creative department. Okay. The creative department is music, live, audio, lighting, and video, which is called creative technology. Okay. Another sub-department is film, which creates all our content. Right, okay. There is like a creative moments department, which plans all the special events and services. Uh, There's the arts, which does dance and drama and all that stuff. Okay. But that's one creative department, which is led by Cass and Rich Langton in Australia. Okay. At the campus level, the campus creative pastor is uh, ultimately the leader for that location. Okay. And so at a lot of our, so we work hard at saying we're one creative team. Sure. And so at a lot of those locations, there's a creative pastor who's the only person on staff. Okay. So they're responsible for the um, outworking day-to-day of their location. Okay. And so my role becomes about supporting them, helping uh, the local team remotely as best as I can. So that looks like um, catching up with people over Skype. Right. That's like uh, managing budgets. Sure. That looks like when we're planning Christmas, looking at big picture around the state what we're doing at each location. Sizes vary a fair bit. Okay. So we'll have locations that on a Sunday morning, there's 200 people, um, all the way up to a Sunday morning, there's 1,500 people per service. Sure, right, right. And so some of the locations have a staff production manager, but some of them it's all run by volunteers who report back to the campus creative pastor. Okay, man. And how does it feel at the campuses, church campusing, there are so many different ways of doing it. And yeah. some of the challenge becomes finding people that are okay being a part of something bigger and letting somebody else make the decisions for them, for their campus. But I, it seems like to get people who are fully engaged, you know, they want to have their voice heard. Like, yeah. how, how is it at Hillsong to have, you know, nine campuses in your state alone that those people feel ownership and yeah. like they're really connected to whatever the creative team is coming up with from, you know, down in Sydney? Yeah. So I guess our goal is always to encourage and empower local ownership. Mm -hmm. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that means that it doesn't look exactly like I want it to. Like, (laughs) okay, so like they might label the kick drum differently than I would, or they might use a different snare mic, right? And I'm just like, well, that's not how I do it, but that's okay. Sure, yeah. So little details are just like, that's not exactly what I would put on the patch list, but that's okay, Right. you know? You're the one there every single week. Sure. And so our ongoing goal is to empower volunteers. I guess I want to work hard at um, helping with the culture of the team. Yeah. I want to try to be available for the the volunteers leading the teams so that if they've got a frustration or a challenge, they feel heard and I can talk to them about it and give them some guidance and help them as best I can from a distance. Okay. And then uh, we're, we're needed to have a conversation with the campus creative pastor about how we can work together. And so as best we can, um, empowering local ownership is so important to us. Uh We also try to focus people at a campus. So I think early on, we, um, when we first, when we got up to like two or three campuses in Brisbane, we were just rostering volunteers across all the different locations. Okay. We fairly quickly found that didn't work because we doesn't build ownership. Right. Um, Okay. and it means there's no one on the ground going, if I don't build team, there's no one coming here to do sound next week. Right. Yeah. They're waiting up for you to pick the people. Yeah. Yep. And so yep. the only person that can actually build the team, can connect new volunteers, 
are people that are there on the ground. Right, right. So I can't remotely build the team in Noosa for them. So we try to focus people at one campus, which we feel like is healthy. Sure. Right. People want to go to church, go to their go to their local church. And so we don't do a lot of cross rostering. Yep. Or if we do cross rostering, it's for the purpose of training and growing, okay. not for the training of just filling a roster. Sure. Most people that I know, they start serving because they think it's cool or they really love technology. The mm-hmm. thing that keeps people coming back are the relationships. And so if I'm at a different campus every week or I'm not grounded somewhere, yeah, then the yep. relationship becomes less of a thing. And now I, you know, there's less reason for me to show up uh, because, you know, there's nobody counting on me versus yeah. I serve with a family. You know, we, we we're like yeah. family. Yeah, totally. Yeah, man, so cool. Now, just real quick, uh, maybe there is no real quick answer to this, but team night, what is that What is that like exactly? And what is that something that you get a broadcast from somewhere or sometimes you do and sometimes it's local? So creative team night is where we gather all the creatives from our local campus and we meet together on a Thursday night. It looks different every week, uh-huh. probably eight times a year. That'll be linked from Sydney okay. for cast to speak, probably six, eight times a year. Okay. But other than that, it's either regional or campus based. Okay. So there's three um, campuses in Brisbane. And so um, my wife is our campus creative pastor. Oh, nice. And the other campuses are led by volunteers. Okay. About uh, once a month, we'll have a Brisbane collected night where all three Brisbane campuses will come together at our main Brisbane campus. Okay. And we'll do worship. Someone will speak. It'll be a bit of a ministry night. Okay. And it's just the creatives. We do it in a room with terrible acoustics. But when everybody (laughs) starts singing, it's just like, it's just crazy. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. And it's normally real stripped back and real simple, you know? Yeah. And someone will bring a word focused on, um, you know, helping creatives. Sure. We do uh, what we call clinic nights okay. where we're focusing on just training people. Okay. And so we'll, okay. we'll um, plan a whole bunch of clinics and people can choose what they go to or we'll have specific clinics for different uh, – for a bass player, for keyboard players, for for uh, sound engineers, okay. for what stage managers. Yeah. Then we'll have what we call uh, collab nights where we'll bring people together to work on something. Okay. So it might be that the, the whole production team's coming in to work on a new stage design that's happening. Sure. Or um, there's a band workshop in the second auditorium where they're learning. So we recorded a new album last month at our Worship and Creative Conference, which means there are a lot of new songs for the team to be learning. Sure. So we might do a workshop night where a whole bunch of musos come in and they just learn songs uh-huh. together. Or we might we might just come clean up backstage. Yeah. <laughs> or we might paint props, you know? Right, right. Now, has this always been something since you've been there been a thing, or is it uh, relatively new in the last few years? As long as I've been on the team, we've had a midweek night that was about. Okay. In the early days, it was called Worship and Creative Arts, and it was on a Wednesday. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it seems to me like once it's in the system, you know, once it's on the calendar every week, that it's part of what we do. Where I yep. would imagine that getting something like that started would be the hard, you know. Yeah. Not that keeping something going doesn't take a lot of work, but if you don't have it built in, then, you know, Thursday night's going to be hard to give up yep. for people. What's your attendance like? Do you say, like within a month's time, everybody comes twice or is it pretty much? You know, I guess we always want to, we always want to invite people. And I think we want to we want to make sure that Creative Team Night is something our team wants to be at. Right, right. But when somebody's like, I was working late and my kids are sick and I can't be there. Yeah. Like nobody's like judging right. them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like 
But our goal is to create something people want to come to. Sure. Well, and I love just even the idea of worshiping together. I mean, it's something that at the Philo Conference is one of my favorite things where you get a chance to come and to worship in a seat and you're not worried about how does it sound? I mean, maybe you're worried about it, but you don't have to do it. Uh, You're not worried about the graphics, the lighting, the video shots, none of it. You just... I can worship like a normal person, you know, in air quotes. And it's such a healthy thing. And I just love that you're doing it on a regular basis for your team. Because yeah. otherwise, yeah, you're, foc- you're at the service, you're totally dialed in, but you're focused on something completely different than worshiping. You're, you just happen to be worshiping by doing your gift, you know, the thing you're gifted at. Yep. But you're not able to just absorb what's happening, what God's doing. Yeah, I mean, I think our ongoing goal is how do we serve people? Mm-hmm. And the language we use is we talk about serving the service, right? Uh-huh. And every event we do is how do we, like, let's serve the service. Let's make decisions that serve the service. So with how the lighting looks and how loud is the PA this service? Yeah. And what instruments are at the front of the mix and what instruments are at the back of the mix? And that. I guess every event we do, we want to go, how do we serve the people at this event? And so at Creative Team Night, how do we serve the creatives on our team? Right. And that looks like a really simple worship night where they're not worried about anything. They can just come and spend time with Jesus and the rest of the team together. Right, right. And on Sunday mornings, that's different again. And on Sunday nights, that's different. I feel like people on the platform and people backstage or behind the scenes, like we're wired up totally differently But we're all creative in a certain way. You know, if you're soldering cables, you know, there are people Mm -hmm. that are, you know, they're creative and artistic with that thing. And I feel like sometimes also there's, you know, two different sets of needs, you know, with those groups of people. But we're called to work together. You know, we can't do a service without each other. And so saying we're one team you know, is important, but practically speaking, it doesn't sit as naturally together. And I'm just yeah. curious, you had mentioned that the creative team is one big group of people. I mean, how is, how do you live in that tension? And maybe that's yeah. just the thing you live with the tension. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. Look, the idea that it's not a problem to solve, it's a tension to manage. Um, I'm ripping off Andy Stanley. Oh, totally. But I feel like that's so important. So I am really lucky that um, I get to do this with my wife. So my wife's right. our campus creative pastor. And so we go out of our way. Like inclusivity never happens by accident. It's always intentional and it always takes leadership. Yeah. And so a few things we do. So we'll come in in the morning, we'll set up, we'll sound check. And then after we've got like sound check done, we'll get the entire creative team. So the video guys will come out from the control room. The sound guys will jump on stage and we gather around and we spend like five minutes talking through the service for the day. Uh-huh. So we talk through um, we talk through the song, we confirm the song list, we talk through how we wanna do all the transitions, we talk through um, who's preaching, what's happening with preaching, is it a link, is it local, what videos we're playing. Like we have a big picture conversation about the whole morning. Uh-huh. And at the end of the service, we have a team debrief where we gather everybody backstage. Like, and again, this is two minutes long. Sure. And in all of that, we go out of our way to celebrate people. Okay. And we go out of our way to celebrate the people that you wouldn't expect us to celebrate. Sure. So like I'll, I'll often be the one saying, hey, so we'll, we'll, I'll be the one saying, hey, um, well done to our guitarists sounds were really awesome this morning or well done to the singers you brought so much life to stage and my wife who's leading the whole team Uh but also she's like our main music director she's on platform most of the time Uh she'll go out of her way to highlight 
the efforts of the video guy or how good the monitor guy did. Right, right. And we go out of our way that we've got one green room backstage and we work hard at inviting everybody together back there. Uh We go out of our way that I don't just talk to the sound team and I don't just talk to the video team, but I'll go up and I'll say hi to the drummer and I'll, you know, and I'll try to engage people from various avenues who otherwise wouldn't engage. Yeah. And so I guess the answer is just leadership has to go out of their way to be inclusive. Sure. And in programming, we have to go out of our way to go. Some weeks, like the clinic nights are huge on Thursday nights for the tech team, uh-huh. but not as much for the platform guys. Okay. And so we just have to go, we want to reach everybody. And sometimes we have to prioritize, you know, one end of things. Right. But it's a constant, yeah. Yeah. Takes effort. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, I've said this so many times. I feel like a broken record just that if I were God and I were designing the body of Christ and how it needed to function, I don't know that I would put two very, such different groups of people together to make Mm. something like you can't not be together. Like this has for it to work, you have to figure out how to do this together. And yeah, yeah, because it is, it it requires uh, a lot of effort and intentionality. Well, like I teach, I teach all our sound guys. When you turn up to do front of house on a Sunday morning, come in, fire up the PA, roll a track, walk around the room and make sure you can hear, you know, every box is making noise. And then when you like, you actually need to go down to the stage and say hi to the band. Right, right. Band shouldn't hear from you for the first time from your talkback mic. Right. It should be you going down to stage, shaking the drummer's hand, ask him how he's doing as you're placing them, you know, as you're tweaking mic placement and saying hi to the guitarist and saying hello to the music director, you know? Yeah. And I think we've got to go out of our way as tech guys to get out of our shell a little bit and be friendly. Yeah, it's so true. I always used to assume that somebody else is going to come to me. Yeah. But yeah, everybody's, you know, can be as introverted as I am. And if I want to be connected, I have to do like I'm responsible. Yeah. yeah. So get get out from behind the console and yeah, find out how the drummer's doing. Yeah, so exactly. good. You know, I also love that we've been, we've worked really hard that our, at our bump in, bump out campuses of which we do, huh, so this week we're launching a new building. Okay. And so on Sunday night, we pushed road cases from a rented uh, hotel ballroom around the corner to a new building that we're opening on Friday night. <laughs> um, you, I'm sorry, you pushed the cases from the building to the new building, from the hotel yes. to the new building. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> so, but from day one of doing bump in, bump out campuses, we've said, well, we're, we're all in this together. And so like when, when you're unpacking a truck at seven o'clock, six o'clock in the morning, if the sound guy and the drummer are unpacking the truck together, yeah. if the worship leader and the monitor engineer, the worship leader and the video uh, switcher are, are unpacking the truck together, that creates some real synergy. Right, right. Yeah, nothing replaces that if we don't do this together where it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. especially in a in a portable campus where you are setting it up and tearing it down. I was just talking to somebody the other day. It's so obvious that we all need to do this or else it's not going to happen. Totally. Whereas sometimes in a more established church building, you know, people can just show up and assume it all just happens magically when, <laughs> you know, we still need each other. We just, it's less obvious maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey man, thanks so much for making time for us. This has been great. I, well, we should talk again sometime. I'm inspired. Thanks so much for having me. It's a, uh, it's an honor and a privilege. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. See ya. Honestly, this conversation did not go in the direction I thought it would, but I loved it. I love that there are values surrounding everything that Reed talked about, not just for production, 
but churchwide and at campuses all across his territories, all of Australia, and then really the world. I also loved how these values seem to naturally come through in pretty much all of our conversation. I think it's so important to doing great work in the technical arts at the local church. I mean, understanding what you're trying to accomplish and then how we go about accomplishing it are so key. Really, without them, we end up doing amazing production just for the sake of it, which is, yeah, what's the point? Or we're generally not on the same page with the folks on stage or even the people we're sitting in the booth with. So, man, what can you do at your church to develop the why and how of what you're doing? It's so important and will make a huge difference. Okay, don't forget, follow us on social media at Philo Community on Facebook and Instagram and at Philo Conference on Twitter or subscribe to the Philo email so you can be in the loop on all the updates to Philo Conference in general or Philo in general. Anyway, speaking of the Philo Conference, don't forget about the homework assignment I gave you during the last podcast, which is check out everything you can about the Eurovision Song Contest so that you're ready for the interview with head of production Ola Melzig. And one of the coolest videos I've seen recently involves a Steadicam operator on a Segway. All you got to do is search for Eurovision Steadicam Segway on YouTube, and you'll see what I mean. It's a cool shot. It shows kind of behind the scenes of how they did it. And they were doing it for the country of Belarus, which is now close to my heart since we were there with the Philo crew. One other note, as you dig into Eurovision and Ola, uh, you might notice that some of his social media posts can be a bit on the colorful side. As far as we know, Ola isn't a Christ follower, although I did give him the name of some churches in Austin, Texas and Stockholm, Sweden, where he lives. But there's really so much for us to learn from one of the most knowledgeable production managers on the planet. And I hope we're able to soak up as much as we can from Ola's experience, regardless of our differences, really so that we can become better technical artists at our own church. All right. Keep checking our website, philo.org, for all the information about Philo 2019. And if you like our podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcast from, and then give us a review. We'd also like to take any ideas and feedback you might have, so shoot us an email, philopodcast at fusion.productions. All right, talk to you soon. Bye.